Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome to Lennox and Hamshack. This is episode 49, unless I miss my guess, and Russell correct me if it's not. But that's okay. I'm Richard, KB5JBV, and up in the far northern land where there's like ice and snow and polar bears and zebra mussels is Russ, K5TUX. Say hello, Russ. Hello, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX. And tonight, for the last time, at least for uh, the foreseeable future, I'm recording from Studio 2N, and that's the one that's on the southwest corner of the intersection of the Ozark Avenue and Tornado Alley. After this week, I think my uh, telecommuting days are over, and I'll be back to the regular studio the next time we record. That's uh, that's it from up here, and actually that's a good thing because the recordings from here tend to suck. So uh, anyway, back down to back down to Dallas. What's going on down there? Well, I don't know why you keep saying stuff like that. I've sounded a lot worse. A whole lot worse. In fact, I've sounded better the last few few episodes than I have in a long, long time. Could it could be could be the fact that they're not comparing me to you in the other studio. Well, yeah, you're definitely sounding better now because my audio has been crappy. I've had to my recordings levels are are uh, not really compatible with yours, and then when I have to go through the noise cancellation and leveling process, my stuff always comes out sounding like like total badger aha uh-huh. maybe you need a logitech headset maybe i do i, I kind of like the setup i have it's just the, my good microphone uh quit on me about a month or a month and a half ago so i've been using this crappy uh dynamic microphone and it just doesn't work as well as the one the one that i bought for the other studio well just make sure if you get the logitech headset that you get the one that's got the boom that pops every time you move your head it pops and clicks. Yeah, I, I would definitely want that one. Everybody loves them. They they can't stop talking about them. They're so wonderful. And I need to make sure I don't have a noise gate or anything like that so I can hear all the <sighs> and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, all those people that had a problem with the noise gate issue, it's been fixed now. But you know what? I'm a fat guy and a heavy smoker, so... And I live in one of the dirtiest cities in the, in the United States. Plus, I got a pine forest on one side of me and a cedar forest on the other side of me. So, uh, if they hear me breathing, I can't hardly help myself. So, you're allergic to all that stuff or what? Let me tell you something. I'm allergic to everything. I found out recently I'm allergic to my own skin. Well, I have. Here. I actually have that problem, too. Figure that one out. 
Oh, no, no. I, I don't have to figure that one out at all because I suffer from the exact same problem. Well, there you have it. It's been, <laughs> it's been really bad, but we're, we're, we're diverging and twin. This is stuff we should, that should be in the other, other feet. Let's just go ahead and get excited about everything that's going on. Hang on just a second while I get excited. Are you okay. excited yet? Oh, you are. Wow. That was quick. Uh, it was a, it was a super quick excitement kind of thing. There you go. All right. So, um, let's see what do we have going on. Oh yes, Ubuntu 10.10 has been released. Russ has been like hugging and stroking Ubuntu 10.10. He likes him fuzzy maverick meerkat kind of things. Uh, not necessarily a badger, but I don't know. So tell us about Ubuntu 10.10, Russ. Yeah, see, I made the mistake of putting this first on the etherpad, so now I have to talk about it. But let's see. Well, I'm not even sure yet why I decided to upgrade from 10.04 to 10.10, which, by the way, they don't make particularly easy. There is a setting in the uh, software center under Ubuntu that you have to tweak. It defaults. If you have a long-term release of Ubuntu uh, and you keep your software update center at the default settings, then it won't upgrade to a, a distribution that's not a long-term support release. So in order to go from 10.04 to 10.10, let's see what I had to do here. So this is what happens when you get into this crappy graphical stuff. Graphical stuff? Yeah. You know, the, the software center, that's all graphical. Oh. I wanted to do it the Ubuntu way as opposed to the way I normally do it there, there is an application, or there is a command line thing called do-release-upgrade. Uh, do if you type that in at the command line in an Ubuntu system, if there is a release upgrade, like from 10.04 to 10.10, it will go ahead and do the upgrade for you. However, if you don't tweak this little setting, which I'm still looking for, hang on. Maybe I need to get that Jeopardy theme installed over here. Yeah, maybe you need to do that. Anyway, if you go into the software, the Ubuntu Software Center, and you click on, oh, let's see, Edit, and then you click on Software Sources. And then under there, you've got a bunch of tabs that you can play around with, but there's one tab called Updates. And down at the bottom of Updates, there's a thing called Release Upgrade. And there's three options for that. One is Never. One is Long-Term Support Only which as far as I know is the default if you install a long-term support release. And then there is normal releases. And if you have that at default for long-term support releases only, then updates like 10.10 for Maverick Meerkat don't happen, even if you do the command line thing. Really? Yeah, really. Well, you know, that that's the thing. I miss out on this kind of stuff because my normal upgrade path is move everything important over to a separate partition and then do a clean install because update never works for me yeah it usually never works for me either which is why i kind of tried to do it this way i wanted to see how well the guys uh coding the upgrades were doing it that kind of thing whether they were actually making it so that the packages would resolve properly whether the dependencies would resolve properly and uh, as it happens, once I tweaked that little setting and, and set it to normal releases and then went to the command line and did the do-release-upgrade command, the upgrade did, in fact, start. And how did it come out? 
Well, I have a really slow connection here at this at this house, the one up here in Missouri, and I believe the download took something along the lines of six hours, give or take, to to download all the updated packages. Uh huh. And then it took about 45 minutes, I think, to do the actual upgrade once everything was downloaded. But as it turns out, the upgrade went went perfectly fine. Now I could have done this. I could have done this the graphical way too, which after I had tweaked that little setting in the Ubuntu Software Center, it would have given me a little button that I could have clicked on to upgrade to 10.10 Maverick Meerkat, and it would have done the same thing. But I, I did a combination of the command line and GUI. Okay, so once I did the upgrade. After the six hours and 45 minutes, give or take, of doing the upgrade, I came back to the system. I rebooted because there was a kernel update, and I logged back in, and you know what? Except for a very slightly different desktop background, everything looked and worked exactly the same. Uh Uh-huh. So nothing just noticeable right off the top is different. That's well. I mean, like I said, the desktop background was just a hair different. I suppose if you were, if you didn't notice it, or if you didn't look at it quite the right way, you might have thought it was exactly the same. But it turns out it was a little bit different. And then I decided, well, since I went through this whole thing and did the upgrade, which pretty much apparently was just package version upgrades and maybe some bug fixes, I went over to the Ubuntu release notes to find out what exactly changed between uh, Lucid Links and Maverick's, Maverick Meerkat. Well, it turns out if you read the wiki, it's not very much. I don't have the URL for that, but I'm sure Bill will look it up and put it in the show notes. But we're going to talk about some of those changes here in a second. Well, I'll tell you, uh, the way they were hammering hammering uh, updates every, every week, Running up to the release, I imagine they had most everything fixed in the uh, in the updates before they went ahead and released ten ten. Well, they probably did, but the the biggest problem I had with it was that they made such hype about this whole ten 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 thing and upgrading to ten ten on ten ten and all that blah blah blah. For all of the hoopla they came up with, it was probably the most uninspiring update ever done to Ubuntu. Well, they got to get people excited somehow. Well, that's true, I guess. So, what did change? Okay, well, I'm running the desktop version of Ubuntu 10.10 now, which I did do the upgrade from 10.04, and I, I guess I don't want to gloss over the fact that the upgrade went well. So you don't have to be afraid of doing this upgrade, because it does work. You know, the old destroy, pave, and, and reinstall isn't necessary. So that, that might be good news for you, Richard. Are you, are you running 10.04 on anything? 10.04 is on one machine. Uh, the one I use for the browser and stuff like that when we record, it's going to have a, have a copy of Ubuntu on it here in a week or so. But I think that over there is the one machine that actually has 10.04 on it. It's uh, one I'm trying to set up to uh, run my DNS server and stuff. Okay, one thing I'll say right off the top is that I was having an issue with 10.04 with performance on a lot of my machines to the point where I actually regressed almost everything I had to either Ubuntu 9.10 or switched entirely to Debian SID or to Debian Squeeze. 
this particular machine happens to be a very fast machine. It's a quad core and, and all of that. But 10.10 seems to run much better on it. And I realize that's a purely subjective evaluation, but it does seem to be faster. So I'm happy about that at least. Well, I've been having some issues, uh, performance issues with this Linux Mint. one of the reasons I'm going to get rid of it. Since it's a, a modified Ubuntu anyway, uh, that may be the, the same issue you were having. I don't know. Well, the latest version of Mint is not an Ubuntu derivative anymore. It's a Debian derivative. So may, you may want to try uh, Mint 9 just for that reason. Well, I, th- I think I'm going to go back Ubuntu on this one and put when I run Mint, run it in a virtual machine and see how it, how it goes. I'm just not overly happy. But this is not about Linux Mint. This is about the 1010 release of Maverick Meerkat. <laughs> oh, look at you trying to steer us back on the path. Okay, well. So, so, so don't let me distract you. <laughs> uh, oh, look, a badger. Oh, wait, let me. All right, so let's get back on the path here. Uh, I, like I said, I'm running the desktop version, and here's a couple of the things that changed in the desktop version. One of the most important, I guess, is that they upgraded to the latest current version of GNOME, which is 2.32. I'm not actually sure what it was in 10.04, but it was obviously earlier than that. Uh, whether that makes it run better or not, I'm not really sure. Um, it does use the GNOME Desktop Manager version 3 as opposed to version 2, which has some niceties which I like about, uh, like the login screen and stuff like that. If you're, if you're familiar with the difference between GDM and GDM 3, uh, you've seen this already. But it kind of looks, uh, I hate to say it, but it looks more uh, Mac OS-y when you log in. Well, that's what they're shooting for, uh, What's his name's made no bones about the fact they're going after the Mac market. It do, it does work pretty well though. It do, it's uh, for the average user, it probably looks a lot nicer. Uh, they upgraded Evolution uh, from whatever version it was in 10.04 to 2.30, and as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure why they're still distributing Evolution. It's the biggest, most disgusting, most bloated piece of software that I'm aware of in any distribution. And rather than futz around with uh, things like the GIMP, which are actually useful, I think they should drop Evolution entirely. But uh, do, you, do you use Evolution? Uh, Evolution, no. I use, uh, for my email, I use Thunderbird. Uh, I was hearing them, uh, who was it, Going Linux said something about they had added a uh, also a second full-blown email message center thing like evolution or similar to evolution in in this new release was did i hear them wrong or or you may have heard them right but i'm looking at what's installed on my system right now and i don't see anything other than evolution and of course mozilla thunderbird which i installed myself but in the way of uh, mail clients or uh, groupware clients all i see is evolution I'm, like I said, I use Thunderbird. Uh, Chester Griffin used to be a big fan of Sleafit Claws. I think it's Claws Mail now, but, uh, he was a big fan of that. I, the, just the two or three times I looked at Evolution, it was just too much of a pain to fool with. That's one reason I never used Outlook when I was on that other operating system. Yeah, I've heard Claws is very good. I've tried it a couple of times, uh, but I always go back to Thunderbird because it does what I like and it does it in a way I like it. So I kind of stick with it. 
Well, I'm a creature of habit. I've been with uh, Mozilla since way back in Netscape Navigator 2 or 3, something like that, and it's always done me a good job. So evolution, no, never messed with it. Okay, and then apparently Ubuntu's ever-changing or ever-expanding need to change photo managers, they went from the GIMP, which is a very high-powered and I think very usable photo and picture editor, to in the previous version they went to F-Spot to apparently save space. At least that was what I understood was the reason they wanted to get rid of the GIMP because it took up a lot of space on the installation CD, and as I just said, I think they should just put the GIMP back on and get rid of Evolution and maybe install Claws or Thunderbird or something like that by default instead. But anyway, now that uh, they got F-Spot installed, they've dropped that, and in 10.10, the default photo manager is now shot well. I haven't really played with either of these, but neither of them has any of the functionality of uh, the GIMP, for sure, they're basically just photo managers uh, for, like, organization purposes. They don't have a lot of editing capability. And I really haven't played with them because I don't uh, have any use, really, for photo managers. Um, are you familiar with either of those? Well, uh, F-Spot, the only time I ever use F-Spot when I click on a photo on my desktop and it comes up. Um, anytime I fool with pictures and stuff, I use the GIMP, but... Uh, you, I can kind of see that them thinking, you know, your average uh, desktop user, all they really want to do is move their pictures around and stuff and things like that. They're not going to spend a lot of time editing and stuff. I always put GIMP back on or put it on as soon as I install an installation. So um, I really hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to this other stuff. Yeah, and I haven't either. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they can drop Evolution, and then they'd have space for the GIMP, Shotwell, and F-Spot all on the installation CD, so they should go that way. Well, there you go. I think F-Spot was in there for years, and it just ended up being default by the fact it was it was on there already. So from there, we have an update to the Gwibber client, which is a social networking client and interfaces with stuff like Identica and Twitter and, and uh, Facebook and, and those kind of things. Uh, Twitter apparently changed their authentication scheme um, a little while back, and Gwibber was uh, kind of dead in the water when they did that. So now Gwibber has been updated in the latest version of Ubuntu so that it works properly. And I guess that's a good thing for those of you who use those social network clients. Well, you know, and uh, I I would like Gwibber. Um, personally, I wish they'd get on the stick over there and I didn't have to, to get a good good client for Twitter and Identica. I didn't have to install uh, uh, that Adobe Air to get a decent one. Gwibber had potential when it come out, but maybe they'll work on getting better. I haven't taken a look at the new one yet, though, so we'll just have to see how that turns out. I've actually removed every application that I ever use that requires Adobe Air because people think Flash and Java are both um, resource hogs and ridiculous when it comes to cross-platform execution environments that are just full of holes and full of slowness and all that kind of thing. And uh, I think Adobe Air is actually the worst of them, so I just got rid of Air and everything that it, that uh, uses it. Well, that's why I don't have a Twitter client right now. Normally, if I go over there, I go over there on the on the website. You can't have TweetDeck without it, and Tweet Gwibber is for sure not TweetDeck. 
So, uh, I just kind of been doing without. Yeah. Glibber is definitely not TweetDeck. I mean, if you're going to use an Adobe Air client, TweetDeck is definitely the way to go. But back to Maverick Meerkat. Uh, that's pretty much it from what I saw of the desktop changes. There was uh, another change to the Kubuntu, um, update, which is kind of a separate distribution because Ubuntu defaults to GNOME. But in the, uh, the KDE or Kubuntu version of Ubuntu, the update, uh, updated to the latest version of Qt and all the underlying products that, that run KDE. They've updated to the latest version of KDE, which is 4.5.1. And then they decided to switch the Kubuntu version from Alsa over to Pulse Audio, which um, other versions of Ubuntu have been running for a long time now, but Kubuntu was kind of a holdout. And uh, since I hate all Linux audio at this point and have really made no uh, effort to conceal that fact, I'm uh, issuing a big thumbs down to the conversion to Pulse Audio, but... I would say it's a big thumbs down to Linux audio in general. Uh, I wish all kernel development would stop until they figure out the whole uh, audio issue, and then they can go back to other things. Because until they get this figured out, uh, Linux is just never going to advance. Well, there you go. There's been issues with the with the bit of switchovers and everything, and um for the most part, after I finally figured out what direction things went in Pulse Audio, I haven't had a lot of trouble with it. I'm not a super audio user, <laughs> as most folks may know. I just realized something while ago. That goes to show you all how slow I am. Did uh, did that woman from Gnome that we interviewed a few months back, did she not say that Gnome 3 was going to be in the next uh, the next release of Ubuntu? She did, but since then there have been several reports in various magazines and uh, from the GNOME Foundation itself that the release of GNOME 3 is being pushed back to, I think, Q2 of 2011. I see. Okay, well, I'll let her slide this time. What was her name? Beth Lynn. Yeah, that's her. No, not Beth Lynn. It was Stormy Peters. Okay, it was Stormy Lynn Peters. (laughs) I'm not sure she's going to thank you for that. So what? Yeah, because she didn't want me to call her Beth. Okay, so you no, are. Wait a minute, that's yeah, stormy. Right, you are on the hot drugs tonight, aren't you? No, actually, I'm not on them, but I intend on getting on them as soon as possible. So what else do we have? Okay, uh, the only change in the server environment for Ubuntu that I saw was that they have updated support for Eucalyptus and the cloud computing environment, and that's probably not going to affect or interest uh, any of the people who listen to this podcast, so I think we'll move on. Or even some of the people who are on this podcast, because I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, if you're not into uh, the cloud computing platforms like the Amazon stuff or uh, Eucalyptus, it doesn't mean a thing to you. There you have it. Okay, so the tell, last... Go ahead. So so just so tell us about the kernel. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to bring up was what I thought was an actual uh, important bit of news about the, the latest kernel that's in, in Ubuntu 10.10. And that kernel is the 2.6.35-22.33 release, which is based on the 2.6.35.4 uh, mainline kernel at kernel.org. And normally it wouldn't be uh, worth bringing up kernel changes uh, because most people probably don't even know what the kernel changes involve or what they mean. 
But in this case, there has been an important change, and that is that from this kernel forward, if you are using an i586 processor or something earlier, or if you're using an i686 processor without the conditional move instruction set, and I'm not actually sure which processors that uh, encompasses, but obviously there's a certain level of early i686s and then anything before a Pentium Pro, I believe, uh, is no longer supported by the current Linux kernels. So your older machines will definitely not run Ubuntu 10.10. That sounds kind of counter Linuxy. Uh, yeah, it does to me too. All right, that's it. Everybody within the sound of our voice, y'all write a tacky letter to Canonical telling them that they can bite my badger, that we run old machines and we love them, and they need to fix that badger right now. Well, I think they're going on the assumption that people who run older hardware are a little more knowledgeable, perhaps, and will know how to get an older kernel and and use that in place of uh, one of these newer kernels. I think they're assuming that People who are running a current release of Ubuntu will also have uh, something akin to current hardware. That's the problem with folks that set off away from things, because I'll tell you right now, we're talking about amateur radio operators for the most part around here, and ham radio operators, we like to collect up junk and old machines. I don't have a new machine anywhere in this house. Oh, I take that back. There's a laptop that my father purchased for, for Brenda, and uh, it's... Only a few months old, six, seven months old. That's a new machine. Everything else around here is old, really old. Well, you just need to keep your CD of Warty Warthog around to run on your old machines, and then uh, everything newer you can run Ubuntu 10.10 on. I got a better idea. I'll start running Fedora. No, don't start running Fedora. Don't switch to the dark side. (laughs) That one's for you, 330. Wherever you are. Okay, so that's all I had to say about uh, Maverick Meerkat, those fuzzy little meerkats. Anything? Okay. Well, that sounds like plenty enough. We've burned up enough time we are up on the first break, so what the heck? Y'all, uh, y'all hang around. We'll be right back. Stretch my name and to be dead with 
with my blood Awake until it's down My mind is gone building my monument My monument Monument, my monument Monument, my monument Monument, my monument back so now we're going to whisper at you a little bit actually uh sometime a little while back we talked about whisper a little bit at the time we didn't know a whole lot about it and we we kind of did the best we could with what we had but i just received my november copy of qst magazine most of the time i won't say nothing about the league even though y'all ought to be members of the league if you're not what's wrong with you and um one of the one of the feature articles in November is uh, an article about Whisper. As par for the course, most of the articles in QSD magazine really doesn't get in depth on uh, what it is, how it is, who it is, or what you need to do it with. But um, there was two page, two or three pages, and it got me to thinking that I needed to go ahead and try and give it a shot, another shot. So we're going to talk for a few minutes about Whisper. Now, for those of you that don't know, Whisper, W-S-P-R, W-S-P-R, Whisper, stands for Weak Signal Propagation Reporter. The Whisper software is designed, and this is from their man, their user guide, so uh, if you detect a slight change in the way I put my words together, it ain't me. Probably some guy up north. I wouldn't I do that to you. Huh? I wouldn't do that to you much. No, no, okay, uh... K1JT is like a, he's a physicist up in uh, up north somewhere, the guy that writes the thing. Oh, good, you're not talking about me. I can go back to sleep. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll throw something at you when it's your turn. Uh, the Whisper software is designed for probing potential radio propagation paths using low-power beacon-like transmissions. Whisper signals convey a call sign, maidenhead grid locator, and power level using a compressed data format with strong forward error correction and narrow band 4FSK modulation. 
The protocol is effective at signal-to-noise ratios as low as negative 28 dB in a 2500 hertz bandwidth. Receiving stations with Internet access may automatically upload reception reports to a central database. The WhisperNet website provides a simple user interface for querying the database, a mapping facility, and many other features. That's straight from their literature. That's amazing. I couldn't tell you were reading at all. I only read it eight times today, so I actually had that one down. Wait till we get to feedback and y'all get your normal level of service. So anyway, I got to digging a little deeper. They say the minimum system requirements for this is a single sideband receiver or transceiver and an antenna, a computer running Windows, Linux, FreeBSD, or OS X. Uh, 1.5 gigahertz or faster CPU and at least 100 megs of available RAM. Uh, monitor with at least 800 by 600 resolution. A sound card supported by your operating system and compatible, capable of 48 kilohertz sample rate. Uh, see if you will transmit as well as receive an interface using a serial port to key your push-to-talk line, or a serial cable for cat control. Linux and FreeBSD versions can also use a parallel port for push-to-talk. Alternatively, you can use Vox control, audio connection between the receiver and transceiver and sound card, receiver, transceiver, and sound card, and a means for synchronizing your computer clock to UTC. Whoo! Well, they made it pretty simple. By the by, today's standards, most of that stuff is not super high-tech hot rod computing equipment. And it is available across platforms, but we're going to get into some of the surprises involved in that in a little bit. Now, for the purposes of checking, checking Whisper out, the machine that I use for my radio stuff, which... I have been neglecting. I need to get back over and, and get up on it some. Uh, just so happens that what we were using for this particular test was a Yezu FT897D transceiver, my little old everyday rig, a G5RV antenna, a Rascal GLX sound card interface. And for those of y'all who haven't heard of the Rascal, uh, it's okay. It's not one of the top three. But it's inexpensive and it works well. Ubuntu 9.10 in the computer itself had three gigs of memory and an Intel three gigahertz processor. And we use the standard onboard sound card. The trick for the trick was, in fact, the last time we talked about it is that we were going and we were uncompressing the file and everything else and it kept ending up in the, in the actual home directory instead of our home directory, we had to go find it and everything else and, and didn't spend a lot of time fooling with it. The first thing I tried to do was that again. So uh, I went and downloaded the appropriate file. And once it had downloaded, I double-clicked it because I'm using Firefox and you can double-click and open up the package manage one of the package managers and stuff. 
and I hit unpack and it did its thing. So when it got finished, I went and looked for it in the place it uncrunched to the last time. I went in there, fired it up, put in all my information in the, uh, in the station information screen, hit the, hit the okay and sat there and started working with it. And every single time I would click on something or change something, it would crash. I would click on, click to change the bands. It would crash. I would click to, uh, uh, take it out of idle mode. It would crash. Whatever I did, it would crash. I couldn't keep it up and running. And what Richard means by all that is that when he started it, downloaded it, did the dpackage-i install, everything worked flawlessly. No. <laughs> We're getting there. So I figured I'd read the book. <laughs> and uh, after reading the installation instructions, for the, there's a section in there for Linux. I went ahead and did what it suggested which what it said to do was first download the appropriate package. So I went over to the website and the uh, link to the website will be in the show notes. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at it right now and uh, picked up the file that had the DB or deb extension on it. I downloaded it. The next thing it said to do was place it in my home directory. So instead of it being in the uh, home home directory it was in the home stroke richard directory i put i put it in there then i went into a terminal and did what it told me to do what it said was from that directory go ahead and run the following commands in a terminal and that's when we get to what russ dunn said a while ago you know sudo dpackage install directory blah 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 and those commands will also be in the show notes but the short of it is it told me to go to the whisper directory and then run the whisper program in this, in this, uh, terminal. Well, the result was a copy that would, uh, that would re- come up and run and not crash. It would receive after I spent about an hour fooling with the sound card, trying to figure out how, which sound card it was looking at because it kept giving me multiple options, and I wasn't sure which one it was. But I'd never got any rig control out of it. I could not get it to transmit, and I could not change the frequency. It would not let me change the frequency. It was stuck on 30 meters. Now, this may be partially result, partially a result of the version of Ubuntu I was running. Might have been an issue with my machine. Might have been lack of knowledge on my part, which I would think would be a large percentage of it if it's not all of it. But this is the situation I came down to. Now, I have read a few things in different forums about the best best possible way to do it is download, download it and compile it from source. Unfortunately, it's not a straightforward compile like some stuff is. I'm told you have to jump through hoops. Now, I've had not had success with two different ways of installing this when all else fails fall back to the old standby i downloaded the windows version and loaded it under wine it it uncrunched it went where it was supposed to go and everything like it was supposed to now this is simply because best i can tell 
by looking at the directory that it's in is everything is self-contained in that one directory and it wasn't having to look for stuff, try and find stuff and everything else. I'll get back to y'all on that. However, once I did this, I then had rig control. The transmit and receive, I was able to get up and running without much of a problem at all. It did leave me with a couple of minor annoyances, which... Uh, I'm willing to go through for the sake of running this thing for now, uh, for the purposes of testing it out to give you all some information on it. One is that I have to go into the file manager, find the file and click, right click it and then open, open it with the wine, uh, windows emulator thing. The second one is I have to open it from the directory dot wine stroke drive C stroke program files stroke whisper. And that can be fixed if I spent the time to set up a shortcut, whatever. But like I said, for the purposes of studying up on this, that was an that was good enough at the time. And the last one was the menu bar at the top of of the window when it's running is only partial function partially functional on the test machine I'm using. It could be a lot of things. I think it's mostly probably because of the USB mouse I'm using. I can go up there and click on it, click on the menu, whatever word, the drop down will come up, but I can't scroll up and down that drop down. I have to use the arrow keys. But once I move them down to where they need to be with the arrow keys and hit return, it works just fine. I can change bands. I can put it in idle mode. I can click the checkbox to report back to the website, all this good stuff. So I've been rambling on for quite a while. What do you think? What, what you, you got anything to offer us? I'm just kind of surprised that you actually got a whisper to work. Now, you're doing it with a Rascal GLX, which you said wasn't one of the top three interface devices, and I would have to agree with you on that because the one that I have didn't really do crap for me. Now, I was at a ham fest about a month ago or a little little longer ago than that, and I picked up a Rig Blaster, a Rig Blaster Plus, I believe it was, from, from a guy down there. It didn't have a power supply, but I ordered one, and uh, it should be waiting for me when I get back to the other studios. So I have not actually had good luck trying to use Whisper. It's something I've wanted to try since we brought it up on the podcast, oh, what, 10, 12 episodes ago. Uh, but I could never get it to work uh, with my Rascal and, and the setup that I have with my Kenwood TS570. But when I get back to my shack next week, um, I'm going to have the rig blaster, and I'm going to have, uh, I believe I have the Kenwood cable that I need for it, and I'm going to get that all hooked up, and I'm going to try Whisper out for myself, and I'm going to see if I can't get this up and running. Because while on the one hand it seems uh, a little esoteric and and uh, not particularly useful it would be nice just to see if i can get an automated node set up a beacon node set up and get it to work uh, i noticed that when you got yours set up it was actually showing up in a couple of google alerts i got showed that you were listed on the the Wisterer database so you were exactly. actually what's that i said exactly yeah so you were definitely being picked up out there when you had your uh your whisper set up and uh, I would like to get that working, too, and if for no other reason than to uh, have the satisfaction of getting 
a beacon node and a, and a digital node uh, set up and working using the Rig Blaster. So I, I hope to get to that sometime next week. Well, the, yeah, and it was a matter of going the, the article sparked my interest again. Yes, more than anything else, it's a, something to study propagation with. There's been some, there have been some two-way contacts using Whisper, but they've been, uh, among the developers. Uh, it's something that is still listed experimental in their minds. The fact of the matter is, you know, that rascal, all you need between your computer and a your radio, if the serial port works, the sound card works, and the uh, plug on the back of your radio works, all you need something to pass a signal that won't, uh, won't cause any feedback on each other. Once I got the serial port set up and got the audio level set, it was off to the races. And I've been on, I've been working out on several bands since Friday just to, uh, make sure that it works. And right now the, the part of the station that's heard me furthest away has been, uh, Argentina and one over in Europe. So I know it's getting out and it's surprising because, uh, it's only going on five watts. Yeah, Bill in the chat room uh, was asking. Um, I mean, uh, Whisper is traditionally um, and, and classically a low power uh, transmission method. So he was curious what kind of power output you were putting out. So uh, five watts, I, I think, can definitely be um, considered low power. Uh, definitely QRP. And well, uh, what what uh, band were you picked up in Argentina on five watts on? Um, I think that was 40 meters, 20 meters. Well, let me talk about power considerations while I'm trying to get this to do its thing. For Bill in the chat room, for the rest of y'all listening, uh, five watts is actually extremely high power for Whisper. Uh, there are guys out there using, uh, less than 100 milliwatts. Like I said, it's primarily a propagation study tool more than anything else. The only reason I'm running five watts is because my FT897 won't go any lower than that. Uh, it's my intention if I continue to keep using this to, uh, put, press one of the Kenwood HF rigs into service and I can get much lower power with that. Uh, the station in Argentina was on 40 meters today, CX2 ABR. My Kenwood won't do any less than five watts either. And I only said that it was uh, QRP in the sense that a typical uh, HF rig puts out a barefoot wattage of 100 watts. So when you're, you know, when you're dealing with five watts, it's most HF rigs, multiband HF rigs, five watts is as low as they go anyway. So you have to actually have a specialized QRP rig if you want to go one watt or 100 or you know 100 milliwatts or or down low like that. Well, actually, um, another question in the chat room or uh, observation in the chat room. Let me explain. This FT897 that I have, the lowest it will go on sideband or the lowest, you know how sideband works. The more you put in, the more you get out. But at fully driving the rig with it turned all the way down is 5 watts. Now, that's a fixed situation because it's all solid state with the kenwoods on the other hand you have the ability to dial the power up and down instead of switching between power levels and with one of those i could probably get a lot lower output if i needed to well maybe on yours but the 570 has a digital selector 
for power output, and it goes from 100 to 5 watts in 5-watt increments. So uh, there's no way that I know of to get my particular rig below 5 watts. Right, and the ones I'm talking about are TS-440s and 430s. I still have one or two of those. I know. I, I have one of the newer ones that happens to be, you know, the the solid state and all digital control. There's no, there's no uh, analog tuning of the final drive, so you can't you can't uh, bring it down into the the real QRP area. Right, and that's why the uh, 897 won't come down any further than that. The only reason I address that is because Bill asked about it in the chat room. All right. So what else you got on Whisper? Okay, well, we're running a little bit long. Let me run through this kind of quick. It's, uh, y'all go over and check out the Whisper website at http colon stroke stroke, uh, org. Go on over, check it out. There's different stuff on there where you can kind of take a look. It's not going to give you a bunch of information on actually running Whisper. But it's going to kind of, it can kind of show you what's going on with Whisper. They've got a activity list that updates itself automatically. They've also got a map that shows stations, uh, and it can be filtered by band or call sign, that kind of stuff. And it'll even show you the, the paths in between stations that are hearing each other and stuff. You can click on the flags for the stations and see who they're hearing and, who's hearing them and that kind of stuff. And it's the background on its Google map. So it, it looks really good. There's also a database of, uh, call signs heard over time and even forums where you can ask questions and kind of watch the conversations and maybe get to know a little more about it for somebody who likes to sit around and mess with stuff, just to be messing with it in amateur radio. This is one of the things you could probably go do. Sooner or later, this, along like the other weak signal propagation modes that uh, K1JT has brought us, over time, it's going to become more and more useful. There'll be two-way communications that way. We're already using JT65 for uh, two-way communications. We're also using uh, WSJT for meteor scatter uh, two-way communications and stuff. And this one, it's coming along. But uh, for the sake of kind of seeing over time who can where your signals go, this can help you out in the long run. Are there any more questions from you, Russ, on on this before we move on? I've never had any real quest- questions on Whisper, and uh, I think the chat room has kind of fleshed this topic out. So we probably need to take a quick break here and come back and uh, get get through our feedback and, and go on our way. Okay, y'all turn turn the volume up real loud, and we'll be right back. You can run and be with another man. You know I am your master plan Now it's time for you to understand To pursue entry and I'm more than a friend You can hide, you can stride, you can pull over side You can do whatever you like But the clock is still ticking Raise your hand and I'll be right there Do you comprehend? I will not give up this love 
inside Your heart can see You can make my day Take the wheel and turn Your life has just begun Every day without you is a black pain Every day without you is a beating cane Every day without you is a set of chains It's like ice has invaded Spain No sunshine of your face No one to embrace No woman can replace you Raise your hand And I'll be right there Do you comprehend? I'm not a love affair I will not give up this love Look inside, our future is bright, I can see, me out of sight, you can make my day, take the wheel and turn, your life has just begun, take the flowers of your Down. I don't want others to know about this love, but the feelings are so real. Take the wheel and turn. Your life has just begun. Take the flowers of your powers. This love can be unbound. Okay, and we're back. We're going to go ahead and run through this uh, feedback, and then we're going to ring the bell and let everybody out of class. Okay, Russell, what have we got so far as feedback? Uh, I don't know. What do you got? I know got nothing. <laughs> you got the same stuff I got. Okay, I'll do the first one, though. A while back in an episode, we asked the question about continuing the MP3 feed, 
or just go into AUG feed. And we had a lot of people say that they listened to the MP3 feed. And uh, we had one of those uh, one of those folks respond just recently. Uh, his name is Mogens. I'm going to assume that's how you pronounce it. Call sign OZ1AKN, uh, Oscar Zulu 1, Alpha Kilo November. Uh, he sent his feedback via the uh, live support link on the website, so that's cool. Thanks for using that feature anyway. Uh, and Mogan says, hi, guys, just my comment on MP3 versus AUG. He says, I commute two, di- two hours every day and listen to various podcasts on my car radio. My radio doesn't play AUG, as I don't think there are any that do. Thanks for the show. Best 7-3, OZ1AKN, Mogan's. Well, there you go. Well, you know, my opinion on the thing is that we're going to keep running the MP3 anyway. But at some point, you may decide you want to listen to OGS while you're making your commute. However, since you've only got two hours, um, I don't see why you wouldn't listen to uh, Linux in the ham shack and then resonant frequency on that drive. But that's just me. In my vehicle, the uh, car stereo is actually so old it still has a cassette player in it. What I do to listen to podcasts and stuff, whether they're MP3 or AUG or whatever, is I have a little cheap, inexpensive radio transmitter that plugs into my cigarette lighter. I put it on the appropriate frequency and plug it into the MP3 or the uh, media player. Now, most of my media players at this point are Sans Eclipse, which will play AUG files, so I get around it that way. What do you think, Russ? What am I supposed to think? I don't have one of those sense clips. Actually, I do have one sitting right here. I see it. <laughs> yeah. But just like Mogan's, my car stereo doesn't play AUGS, so unfortunately I have to listen to the MP3 feed myself. Um, but I think we've already discussed that we're not going to get rid of the MP3 feed, so don't worry about that. Go ahead and listen to the MP3s. They're still out there. They'll always be out there as far as I know. And uh, thank you, uh, Mogens. Um, and please yeah. correct please correct us if that's not the uh, proper pronunciation of your name uh, for listening to the show. Yeah, because this is episode forty nine, and when we hit fifty, we're gonna start uploading the Internet Archive. Ha! So they will be there forever. <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, all of our stuff is available by torrent. There is a torrent link on the website, so if you want to get all the back episodes, you can get them that way. And there you have it. Make sure you take your umbrella. Okay, our next one comes from Jagged, who's hanging out in the chat room tonight. Uh, from the IRC, talked about LHS in a meeting of the Virginia Kubuntu team on 10-5. We're talking about you, Jagged. And interestingly, this came through as a Google alert. There's a wiki page that had a log of an online meeting, apparently, of the Virginia Kubuntu team in which Jagged was participating, and he mentioned that he was going to Linux or to listen to Linux in the Hamshack, one of his favorite podcasts. So what was that all about, Jagged? What were you talking about? What what meeting were you having uh, back then on October 5th? And uh, thanks for mentioning the show anyway, but we're, we're waiting for details. Ubuntu Virginia Loco team. What's Loco other than crazy? Local community. I assume, yeah, the Ubuntu Virginia local community team, which does what exactly? They grow narcotic. Oh, no, wait. Volunteer organization for promoting Ubuntu in the community. Voxfuls of Ubuntu media from the... For the uh, local Unix users group, something like that. 
Virginia Tech Linux and Unix Users Group. He, he must be on East Coast time. I think he's dozing off. Anyway, Jagged, who was in a meeting, an online meeting of the Virginia Tech Linux and Usix Users, users Group, mentioned Linux in the Hamshack podcast. So thanks very much, Jagged. We will, uh, we'll work that into the podcast somehow. Linux and Uners. All you, all you Linux and Uners out there, y'all, just whatever the hell you're going to do. Or, some, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so we, shall we move on to the next one? Yes. Okay, I'll do this one. You can do the next one. Okay. Tim is my friend. Yeah, you can do Tim. Okay, the next one we got, okay, this one was kind of interesting. Uh, Lord Drakenblut, who's a guy we've mentioned a couple of times, he does his own podcast, the Ten Buck Review, and he uh, shows up on the IRC and other podcasts around around the Internet if you listen close. Uh, he sent us some feedback, uh, or he sent me some feedback in an email, but he's, he found a droid application that is uh, for the Android platform, which will convert uh, regular text to the ASCII version of Morse code. And he sent me his feedback in that Morse code. So, of course, I had to decode it. And when decoded, it read thus. As always, guys, great show. Keep up the great work. And stop touching the badger like that. Cheers, Lord Drakenblut, President Indiana Foss Society, at http colon stroke stroke indianalinux.org. I'm not sure in what way we've been touching that badger, uh, but maybe Richard can illuminate. Well, actually, uh, Lord D, what bothers me, it doesn't bother me so much that Russ touches the badger. However, he does sit across the room and look at it longingly. That tends to make me a little disturbed. But it's such a sexy badger. And there you go. In fact, that's probably the one that... Well, I don't want to get back into that Burton Ernie story. Why did my computer just go off? I don't know, but hopefully you're still recording. I got no more chat room. All right. <laughs> anyway, thank you for your... Japanese. Yes. All right, we'll hit the next well, feedback from Tim. Anyway, Lord D, thank you for your feedback, and y'all go over and check out his place at indianalytics.org. All right, our next piece of feedback is from TMKI6BGE. I don't, I, I, you know what? Let's just stop a second, and I want to ask all of y'all out there, have y'all noticed that uh, sometimes I can pronounce every word and articulate it and not have a single bit of problem, but there's sometimes that I can't even, just can't talk at all for any reason whatsoever back to the show tim ki6bg just thought i'd check in just turned 60 on october 5th and still kicking listening to lhs 46 you guys might try normalizing richard's audio was low so i turned up the volume and when russ would come in i would get blasted other than having to constantly adjust the volume, I did enjoy the episode. Richard, I need another RF podcast fix. I am working on an audio contribution to send soon. And he has sent in contributions in the past. Uh, you two do a great job, and I really enjoy both podcasts. Later, Tim, KI6BGE. And Tim has been around for a long time. Thank you, Tim. Tim has been... Uh, with me at the other show since almost 
when it began. So uh, he's been around a long time, and he is definitely a friend of both shows. Russ, seems like, a, what was he listening to, 46? Didn't we have some technical issues with 46, which caused it to, didn't I lose my side of it, of it or something like that? Uh, that may have been 46. I, I have been having problems getting uh, the podcast put together uh, from Studio 2N just because the way things are recorded here and the equipment that I have doesn't make it as easy as when I'm in the other place. So I am doing my best to get things as noise-free and as, and as level-aided as possible. 47 and 48 should definitely be better, and 49, this one should be even better still. So... I do apologize for any uh, audio inconsistencies in episode 46, Tim, and hopefully things uh, will be better for the next few. And, of course, uh, after this week, I will be back in Studio 1N where things should go much, much more smoothly. But thanks again for the feedback, and uh, Richard, I'm sure, will put out an RF podcast as soon as he is possible or as soon as he is able, and uh, we will continue to put out good content on Linux in the Ham Shack as, as often as we are able. And uh, please continue to listen. So uh, thanks very much, Tim, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from you soon. And don't be grappy or we'll put a pledge break on your butt. All right. <laughs> or we'll send you a rabid badger. Well, no, that's how they should hold my programs on the local uh, PBS station hostages. They won't let me listen to them till I send them some money. All right. So uh, our next piece of feedback is from K7JM. Oh, this is our friend from McDougal's home again. Posted an article mentioning K0SRE's article at the AWRL.org about the renewed interest in amateur radio because of Ubuntu Linux. K7JM also mentioned Linux in the ham shack. I must have missed that. Uh, he seems to indicate that K0SRE's post and LHS are mentioned together, but I couldn't find a connection. Thanks for the mention. Anyway, Russ couldn't find a connection. That's right. The way, the way, um, K7JM wrote his little post, seemed to indicate that K0SRE mentioned Linux in the Ham Shack in his article, but I couldn't find any mention of it. So I'm not sure where the connection was made other than K7JM just wanted to promote our podcast, which I wholeheartedly agree with, and I have no problem with that. But I could not find a connection between K0SRE's article on ARRL.org and our podcast. And the only thing better than self-promotion is that when other people promote us. So, yeah, um, renewed interest because of Ubuntu, I can see it. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe there is renewed interest in Ubuntu because of amateur radio. But we're going to do our best to continue to make this happen. And both of you guys, both of you guys, if you're listening, thank you for at least thinking about us. So last but not least, we have Mark. N4TIR. And Mark comments on being the grand prize winner of the self-raffle. And Mark writes, Russ, greetings. I was out of town and the surprise arrived a few days ago. Just wanted to let you know and thank you very much. Hope to meet up with you again, maybe on the air. If you run, if, if you run whisper, best regards and 73. Mark, N4TR. Well, I think that was right nice. 
That was very nice. I have actually had two or three emails from past winners of raffles that we've held at various events. N4TIR happens to be one of those, and he won the grand prize uh, at the self-raffle, which was, if I remember correctly, one of the um, the Zip-It devices, which you can hack and put Debian on it, or uh, other user lands, which provide Linux support, and they have wireless, and they're just kind of cool little IM devices uh, that are hackable and fun to play with and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's always nice to hear that uh, somebody appreciated uh, winning the raffle and, and uh, send us a message and and uh, tell us that they were happy to receive their prize. And if nothing else, uh, I hope he's a listener of the program. He doesn't say he is, but I, I really hope he does. So thanks for the feedback, and I hope you're a listener, and I hope you continue to listen. Thanks again, Mark. That's right. You should always listen to Linux in the ham shack because we're not afraid to bribe people to listen. That's right. We'll, we'll send people prizes. We'll send people uh, Badger T-shirts, and we'll uh, uh, call people out by name and and tell people uh, where to go to get their websites or their product or their uh, Linux event or anything like that. Uh, just just tell us who you are and what you want to promote, and we'll promote you. That's right. And there you have it. Because we are totally indiscriminate. And stuff. No, we equal opportunity. Everybody's allowed to go promote us. I don't know how the put us in your signature uh, campaign's going on, but we'll we'll find out later. All right. Well, that's all the all the feedback, and I've lost the chat room. Uh, do you have anything else for this evening, Russ? Well, I just wanted to also remind people that if you are on Identica and uh, happen to have an account over there, to make sure you go follow Doctor Telnet. That's uh, Delta Romeo Telnet. Uh, this is something we brought up in a past podcast. I think it was number 46. Maybe it was number 47. But go over there and flood him with follows. Uh, make make sure he's uh, one happy Identica user. Uh, but as far as feedback goes, I think that's all we've got. So I think it's time to wrap. I think we should probably go ahead and wrap it up. All right. Thank you all for joining us this time around. Uh, folks in the chat room, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we had a good crowd and we've had a fairly good time. Um, sorry, y'all. I've just been beat to death lately or I'd be more fabulous. I know that'll end up in all night. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's going to end up in the main podcast. What are you talking about? Well, there you go. Um, I, I, I like sparkly vampires. Sparkly vampires. Well, I like sexy badgers, so we're a good pair. And Yes, don't be like the gentleman I read about in England today who got arrested. All righty, so uh, with that, uh, I'm Richard, KB5JBV. You can follow me on all the normal uh, suspects, Facebook, Twitter, Identica. In fact, I'm really getting a lot of folks coming online with Twitter. I just about had enough of that. Anyway, or send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at e... I haven't been able to walk, talk right since I watched the Sand Pebbles the other day. Or you can send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. And with that, we'll toss it over to Russ and see what he's got to spit out at you. All right, this is Russ. I'm K5TUX. I'm up here in Studio 1N in southwestern Missouri. You can contact me at all of those social networks that Richard mentioned. 
My handle over there is J.R. Woodman. You can also find me as K5TUX at 73s.org. That's N7ICE's Ham Radio Social Network. Go check it out. You can leave us a voicemail at 888-455-0305 or at 417-200-4811. Make sure you select the appropriate option for Linux and Hamshack. Also, go over to the website, leave us a comment over there. We'll make sure to get you on the air if we can. Uh, make sure to buy some Linux and the Hamshack merchandise, especially your Badger wear, uh, over at printfection.com stroke LHS. Uh, you can find some other stuff at cafepress.com stroke LHS uh, podcast. So uh, pick up some stuff over there. Donate to the show if you can. Everything you give us will go directly into improving the broadcast. So thanks again for listening, and uh, that's about it for me up here in Studio N at the southwest corner of Ozarks Avenue and Tornado Alley. And uh, as it happens, Richard is down there at the corner of 14th and Badgerton in the basement of the Chinese Laundry. And just to sign off the show, he's going to say, Well, no, I just going to tell everybody. And from a timeout for anti for uh, uh, antisocial behavior, this is KB5JBV, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>